Welcome to Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman, along with rock expert Frank Ost. Happy holiday season to you. And before we get started, I wanted to mention, you probably heard by now, that Michael Nesmith passed away back on uh, Friday in the afternoon at age 78. He was just 20 days shy of his 79th birthday. And I was so happy that my sister Mickey and I went to see the show at uh, the MGM Northfield Park Center Stage about six weeks ago, right at the beginning of November, so a little more than a month ago. The place was packed. He didn't perform on stage the whole night. He was there most of it, but and of course took part in the in the usual repartee with Mickey. Mickey was in top form, of course. Um, but Mike, it just seemed like he wasn't feeling well or something, although he sounded great. And, you know, some of the songs he wrote, my goodness, one or two cuts per album, You Just May Be The One, Daily Nightly, Don't Call Me, which he co-wrote, Sunny Girlfriend, You Told Me, from Headquarters, Mary Mary, The Kind of Girl I Could Love, Papa Jean's Blues, he co-wrote with King and Goffin, my favorite of theirs, Sweet Young Thing, the Monkees' farewell tour wrapped up right after Thanksgiving, and then Michael came home and died with his family by his side last Friday afternoon. Frank and I will have more to say about the Monkees. We'll have a kind of a co-featured artist segment for you next week on Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. Frank, welcome back. Happy holidays. Uh, it's great to be here, and happy holidays. Have about 12 you. days left. We're going to start off with our top 10 rockin' tunes, and each of us will go... 10 up to number 6 this week, and we'll do the yeah. rest next week. Yeah, this was a lot of fun to go through and uh, yeah. kind of have little playoffs between them. That's <laughs> right. You got some good ones. Go ahead. Uh, let's see. Number 10 for me is a uh, tune, Oh Holy Night, beautiful tune done by Jonathan Butler. Uh, if you've ever seen him in concert at Dave with Dave Cause, or call it up on YouTube, You'll do yourself a favor. That song is amazingly exactly, done by him. Exactly, yeah. It, just it sends uh, chills up your spine. It still does right in the, you know, any time of year. Yeah, you can find it on the December, uh, the 25th of December album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you say, if you can catch it in concert, even better. My son, by the way, purchased uh, that CD and Dave Cause signed it personally for me. Which oh, is neat. Very nice of that's him to great. do that. And that's my wife's favorite song. What you got for number nine? Uh, well... Uh, some one that everybody knows, Snoopy's Christmas by the Royal Guards. Love it. Of course, this was the follow-up to Snoopy versus the Red Baron. Of course. Uh, now, do I have to explain why I like this? Well, you love young Frank loved this tune, <laughs> and I still enjoy hearing it every season. Of course. And uh, by the way, it does um, uh, references a true story about the Christmas truce during World War One. So yes. it's it actually based on reality kind of like the pipes of peace with uh, paul mccartney exactly the, does the world war one little truce they had during christmas eve absolutely uh number eight well father kiss christmas by the kinks i've got that on mine too uh this came out in 1977 just as the punk kind of new wave thing was breaking any questions that the kinks are one of the godfathers of punk uh gets answered by this um tune it's fantastic and it was written by ray davies it's a great rock song that also happens to be a christmas song and if you ask me it's not played nearly enough no i mean we got our fill of little saint nick and step into christmas which i like but i don't love and i don't think i ever liked or loved either of those songs exactly they're all great songs but some i want to hear more and that's one of them uh number seven uh God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, and that is, of course, by Bare Naked Ladies with Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin. Uh, just a beautiful rendition of the classic. 
Uh, Sarah's voice is perfect, uh, for, perfectly blended with the ladies, and it's just a great all-Canadian version. Uh, last one, number six, a little tune called Christmas Wrapping by the Waitresses. Um, hmm. This 1982 song was written by the group. It's kind of a little bit punk and a little bit of rap, hence the name. Uh, the song is about missed opportunities and finally a happy ending. It's also got a great brass section in the background. So if you haven't heard this one, um, download it, try to get a hold of it, uh, because it's a really fun tune. Well, I'm going to download that. That's one I don't have in my collection. And you like brass. We know how you like Absolutely. brass and music. Um, as far as downloading, it's funny. When I first started listening to Christmas music, I was working in Elyria at the radio station out there and listened on record, or then you maybe put together a cassette uh, or a CD. Remember those five I CD changers you absolutely had? absolutely remember that. And then it went from there to uh, a CD of maybe 20 songs, and then the MP3 technology gave you maybe 150 because Christmas songs are short. Now it's all on my Christmas file, which I put onto my iTunes or Exactly. It's on my, it's, I can call it up on my phone yep. right now. Yeah. And when I think of how much trouble I went through, <laughs> I used to have a, a TAC cassette deck yeah. uh, with Dolby noise reduction. And I used to sit for hours just to tape a couple of things. Yeah. And now it's just, you know, snap of a finger, it's there. The one thing I do miss about that, not to get off track too much, I have a, a little mixing board that I used for my Nakamichi. Okay. And uh, I could mix from one song to the other just like a real DJ. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, uh, iTunes is real good about mixing from one song to the next, the segue, but it doesn't quite give you the same uh, feel as uh, on a, ra- a real radio station where you're you're segueing from one song to the next. There's a real art to it, or there used to be. There And, I, and there is. I really like doing right. that with my little mixing board on my Nakamichi cassette deck. Yeah, I remember I used to have a Todd Rundgren uh, mixtape just the same way. Uh, and I had it running, songs running into one another. And yeah. when I hear them now, I, I wait for the other song to come. Yeah. I'm wondering where it is. <laughs> I know. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Now, my top uh, five, bottom five. Number 10, Please Come Home for Christmas, the Eagles version I like slightly better than Southside Johnny, which appears on Home Alone. and uh, Terrific version. Just great, great tune. Either one is fine with me. I put the Eagles down. Kinks, Father Christmas is my number nine. Definitely. I love that song. Now, the Ohio City Singers, I got a hold of that uh, CD not too long ago. It, there's some other stuff on there, too, which is really good. White Cleveland Christmas, it's number eight. Number seven, it's not a rock tune, but it is from one of my few favorite country artists, Leanne Rhymes. Oh, okay. And All I Want for Christmas is You, not the one that Mariah Carey sings. That we hear nonstop. Yeah, yeah. but this is more of a soulful country. All I Want for Christmas is You. Leanne Rhymes is number seven. And number six, I almost forgot about this, Band-Aid. Do they know it's Christmas? Oh, yeah, definitely. Those are good tunes. We'll have our top five next week. Yeah, as I look we forward to it. head in toward Christmas of 2021, which is going to be a heck of a lot better than last year. You sure hope so. <laughs> All right, Frankie, we usually start the show with this, but because of our Christmas songs, we're going to do it right now. Two should get in. I'm going to start, and I say Barry White should get in. Love that voice. Uh, that was one I could mimic when I was 13 years old because my <laughs> voice was changing. I couldn't sing his lyrics, and my mother wouldn't have appreciated that anyway. Of course. I've got so much to give. Never, never going to give you up. Can't get enough of your love. First, last, everything. Going to love you just a little more. Barry White. The 70s, especially the early to mid-70s, just would not have been the same without him. Oh, exactly. Not to mention the fact that uh, Barry White's Love Unlimited, Unlimited Orchestra with Love's theme. 
The R&B voice from Galveston, Texas, just like other R&B acts that should get in or already are. The stylistics, the OJs are in, but the spinners, the 70s music just wouldn't have been the same if it weren't for guys like that. So I say Barry White should get his nod for at least nomination into the Rock Hall. Who do you have? Well, same time period, uh, same soul type of uh, band. Um, Same bat time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) Sounds familiar. Group called War. You may remember that. I love War. Well, back in 1969, they were discovered playing at the Rag Doll in North Hollywood Mm. by a number of people in the record industry, including an ex-animal, Eric Burden. Now, the band's goal was to spread the message of brotherhood and harmony, using instruments and voices to speak out against racism, hunger, gangs, crime, and turf wars, and to promote a spirit of brotherhood. Soon, Eric Burden and War Mm -hmm. began playing live shows to audiences throughout Southern California before entering into the studio to record their debut album, Eric Burden Declares War. (laughs) The album's best-known track, of course, is Spill the Wine, which was a hit and launched uh, launched the band's career. Uh, They released just one more record with Burden before he kind of burned out and left the band at that point. They did not skip a beat. Uh, they were known, uh, just became known just as War. Uh, nine top 40 albums, including a num- the number one, The World is a Ghetto. Wow. And nine top 20 singles, including five gold records, make them one of the best-selling bands in the early 70s. With songs like Slipping Into Darkness, The World is a Ghetto, and Why Can't We Be Friends, the band made good on its mission to stay topical and talk about life in the black community. Uh, they have been nominated no less than three times for the Rock Hall, mm. so it's well past time they should have inve- in, been inducted. Wasn't the last time they were nominated seven or eight years ago? Yeah, 2014. Exactly. Yep. Maybe they'll get their nod this year. Yeah, I don't know. It up. sounds like they had some momentum going and then completely lost. Yeah, yeah it's but, funny how I hope they don't forget about them or Barry White or some of the other acts we've talked about. Exactly. Long Beach, California natives, they really did stay true to their to their form. I'm glad that Eric, sure Eric Burden kind of stepped away Yeah, and left them on their own. Summer, Why Can't We Be Friends? These songs remind me of the summer. Oh, don't they, they absolutely Rider, do. Slipping yeah, Lowrider, yeah. Cisco Kid just reminds you of the summer of 73, 4, 5. Sure. 6. Great tunes. Good choice. Concert calendar, Frankie, we got some shows in December. We saw a good one last week, didn't we? Well, we sure did. Uh, that was, uh, I like to call it the Jonathan Butler show. <laughs> but, and Dave Cause is one of our favorites of, of all course. time. We brought our lovely brides and Palace Theater. Um, you know, it wasn't packed, and I wish it was, but I think that had to do with COVID. Yeah, and, you know, kind of the restrictions that they have in place, and you have to wear masks the whole time. Yeah. You have to have the vaccination cards and all that. And I think some people just, passed on it because I don't of think that. they wanted to play that game. Exactly. It's no, Christmas time. I, they, you know, yeah. I understand, but uh, I'm glad we did. Boy, the, <laughs> yeah, there was a great show. Uh, fantastic, as always. It really puts you in the Christmas mood, it doesn't sure it? It sure does, absolutely. And, and Dave, unlike other shows we've talked about, this comes at the perfect time when you know it's Christmas time, the tree is up, the lights are on, you know, la, la, la. It's nice to really get in the mood, isn't it? And it, it is. And it comes at the perfect time, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th of December. Right. It's always in that, uh, you know, first couple weeks of December, and it just falls a perfect time where yeah. uh, you're ready for it, you know. And you can go. It's not like you have other other things or family plans already in the, in the works for December 8th or exactly, something. Exactly, you know? yeah. 
So coming up in uh, this week, this Friday night, John Waite of the Babies, Bad English, good solo career, the British singer. Sure. Kent Stage, Friday nights. Ooh, good stuff. REO Speedwagon, have a little news on them for next year. They're going to be at the MGM Northfield Park Center Stage on a Saturday, the That's 18th. That's right, yes. They've they some coming. good shows over there. They've mm-hmm. become the new oh, front row or the winter home of Blossom, if you will. Yeah, yeah, just the kind of the perfect size for a lot of these bands. And Trans-Siberian Orchestra, TSO, Christmas Eve and other stories, after Christmas, the 30th, on a Thursday, 3 and 8 p.m. I guess tickets are still available at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Right, and I guess that's to get you ready for maybe New Year's? Maybe. It's yeah. still the holiday season. There you go. My tree is going to be down by then, though. <laughs> <laughs> As we turn the concert calendar page over to January and February, nothing much happening, but in no. March, things start happening again. Playhouse Square, Connor Palace, Kansas, on March the 3rd. Oh, that'll be good Thursday one. night. Sure. Marshall Tucker Band's going to be at the MGM Northfield Park on Friday. That's March 4th. Yeah, that's one of your favorites. Yeah, they're going to be a featured artist of ours pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Tower of Power. Oh, another one of our favorites. MGM, center stage, mm-hmm. March 17th, a Thursday night. April 3rd, Graham Nash at the Kent Stage. Tickets on sale now. And it's funny, you mentioned Tower of Power. Uh, we actually saw somebody last night that once played with them, Richard Elliott. Oh, yeah. He was, he was a member at, at once at a certain point in time. I don't know, I think 70s or 80s. Yeah. Uh, English Beat. Uh, I love the English Beat, or just in England they call them the Beats. Okay. They're coming to the Kent stage in April on the 6th. Robin Trower, MGM Northfield Park Center stage, Wednesday, April 13th. Right. Ambrosia with John Ford Coley at the Akron Civic Center, April 21st. It's a Thursday night. And I keep uh, threatening to take my wife to that one, and she seems to be uh, into it, so yeah. we might just make it down A little back one. and forth there. Yeah. Joe Jackson, this is a show I might see. It's oh. a Saturday night. It's NBM Northfield Park, uh, Saturday, May 14th. Yeah, and I think, I think what I'd need to know before I went to see him is whether he has the band or he's just kind of playing his own piano thing, because I did see him with the own piano thing, and it was nice but i've seen it once i really would like the band if you can get your hands on a previous show set list perhaps i would uh, help exactly, you out exactly yes tears for fears on saturday may 21st at blossom yeah that's and that's kind of early in the year for blossom who knows what kind of weather you're going to get on the 21st <laughs> of may it, it is snow <laughs> <laughs> it is a saturday night however so that helps for getting out of there at least exactly or staying up late wednesday June 1st, Styx and REO Speedwagon at Blossom. Ooh, good stuff. Now, Styx, of course, Styx, of course, does not have Dennis DeYoung anymore. Right. But they still have James J.Y. Young and uh, Tommy Shaw's. And, band. of course, uh, REO Speedwagon lost their greatly yeah, guitar Richard, pl- right. player a few years ago. In July, the Doobie Brothers 50th anniversary tour is coming back because last year it was canceled due to COVID. They had some members of the crew out. Uh, so at the last minute, they had to postpone. Been rescheduled for July 12th. It's a Tuesday night at Blossom. Yeah, and I I think we're getting both Tom Johnston and... Um, Michael McDonald. Michael McDonald, the, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's at Blossom. Rod Stewart and Cheap Trick at Blossom a week later on the 19th. That'll be a good one. By the way, speaking of the doobies, I just heard that Patrick Simmons has a, like a Doobie Brothers book coming out. Oh, and I, I'm not sure what the name of it's called, and I don't know when it's coming out. Oh, okay. But look forward in a bookstore near you. Certainly not this Christmas, but uh, maybe for your birthday in June. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Something to open on your birthday. Absolutely. 
All right, Frankie, today in rock history, December 13th, 1961, Decca Records saw the Beatles perform at the Cavern Club. They set up an audition with the band, later turned them down, saying the Beatles had no future in this <laughs> business. <laughs> wow. Well, they were busy with the Stones, Decca Records, and you know, I think they did okay for themselves, yeah, but they, they, they could have added the Beatles to their to their great roster of talent. Wouldn't that have been something? Jimi Hendrix, Foxy Lady was released. Five years later, in 1966, originally misprinted in the U.S., is spelled F-O-X-E-Y. Oh, okay. And I guess lady was spelled just the regular lady, mm-hmm. no D-E-Y. 1974, George Harrison had lunch with President Gerald Ford. Well, that's an odd couple. Now, I know that <laughs> <laughs> President Nixon and Elvis Presley met that's in the right. White House, yes. and other presidents have uh, accepted other artists. 1975, Frankie. Remember C.W. McCall and Convoy? That's going to be a one-hit wonder someday. I, I, just a real quick story on that one. I remember my dad coming home, you know, dad who knew nothing about music. Oh, there's a new good song playing on the radio. Mm-hmm. you got to hear it. I said, well, what is it? He says, oh, it's something like Convoy or something. Like, and I just, oh, oh I no. rolled my eyes. I mean, what can you say about that? It's not even a song, for no, God's it, sake. No, it spurred a meteoric rise in sales <laughs> of CB players, CB radios That's and cars. That's right. It sure did. And as fast as it went up the charts, it went down almost as quickly. Get this. On this date in 1975, Convoy saw a rise in the charts from number 82 all the way up to 29. Wow. And it would uh, top the charts just four weeks later, only for like one week. But it reminds me of the wintertime, uh, early winter, Christmas break of 75 and 76. You know, Happy Days, Starsky and Hutch. Oh, yeah, all those uh, TV themes. Charlie's ones. Angels, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good shows, too, most of them. 1985, Phil Collins made his acting debut playing a drug dealer on the hit show Miami Vice. Wow, I yeah. didn't realize that. I know he was... Kind of locked in with those guys, but yeah, maybe not so, as much as Glenn Fry, but Phil Collins, I guess. I've never seen the episode, or maybe I have. I don't know. It's still on those cozy channels and whatever. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it. Birthdays. Did you know this? You know, Julie Andrews performed on screen with Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. Sure. And then a couple of years later with Christopher Plummer on Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. Christopher Plummer and Dick Van Dyke share the same birth date. That's incredible. December 13th. Dick Van Dyke is a little older. He uh, was born in 1925. Christopher Plummer passed away recently. He was born four years later. That's incredible. Ted Nugent, 1948. I don't think he performed with Julie Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> also having a birthday is Jeff Skunk Baxter, who we talked about before, his time with Steely Dan and the Doobies. Mm-hmm. He's 73 years old today. Little Stevie Forberts, the one and only, you know, Romeo's tune. I thought he was going to have a better career than that. Maybe he is. Who knows? I he was a critic's darling for about 10 minutes, he I was, remember. He was, 1954. Remember John Whitaker, Jody from Family Affair? Sure. He was born in 1959. Jimmy Fox with two X's was born in 1967. And Taylor Swift is 32 years old today. Wow. Haven't talked much about Taylor Swift. I'm just glad I'm not one of her ex-boyfriends. <laughs> That's right. You'd have a song written about you. <laughs> All right, Frankie, it's One Hit Wonder Time. Both of them come from the early 70s. This one from the summer of 1970, the Philadelphia studio musician group known as The Assembled Multitude. Wow. An overture from Tommy. Nice. And it sounds kind of like the one from The Who. But yeah, it really does, yes. It, it's orchestrated. It's nice. Maybe just a tad over-orchestrated, but I like it. Uh, many of these musicians uh, in the Assembled Multitude would go on to form another Philly band called MFSB. 
Really? Okay, yeah. now them I've heard of. Yep, they put out versions of hit songs right around the time of MacArthur Park, Ohio, and Woodstock. Overture was written, of course, by Pete Townsend and peaked at number 16 in the late summer of 1970. Another terrific instrumental, which will be one of our segments that we hit uh, as we head through season four, maybe even into season five. Best rock instrumentals of the 70s. We'll kind of go through those. You'll give me one and I'll give you one, that kind of thing. Great. Yeah, I know uh, they probably took advantage of the fact that the Who were terrible about putting out singles. Yeah. They had no idea of what the singles market was. And they left a lot of great tunes on the table. Now, mind you, this was before Who's Next. So Right, exactly. Um, the follow-up from The Assembled Multitude came out in the fall of that year, 1970, Woodstock, only peaking at number 79. So people might have had their fill of Assembled Multitude. Next up, Cimarron. I'll spell that for you. S C Y M A R R O N Cimarron and rings. Ring, ring, telephone ring. Baby, come on in. Got James Taylor on the stereo. Don't know that song? Never heard of it. Number 17 rock song. (laughs) (laughs) Rock song. Soft rock song, summer of 71. Memphis band Cimarron. It was co written by Eddie Reeves, a music publisher and manager, record uh, industry executive, recording artist. And also Alex Harvey co-wrote that song. Oh, okay. you know Alex Harvey. It was yeah, covered absolutely. a few years later by Lobo, who had some some hits that uh, everybody liked, the soft rock hits. Along with Bread, you know, and Jim Croce and James Taylor, Carol King, the soft rock was really hot back oh, then, wasn't it? Oh, was it was incredible. The Carpenters, yeah. Yeah. Sure. The follow-up to Rings was Valerie, not the one by the Monkees, but that only hit number 96 in the fall of 71. Lobo's version, Rings, failed to crack the top 40, but Rings by Cimarron made it to number 17, which is quite impressive. Other artists who covered it over the years, Leo Kotke in 1983, Dr. Hook, and Twiggy. Wow. From her 1977 album. Hard to believe. Okay, Frankie, we've covered the one-hit wonders. Now, two-hit wonders, brand new category. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Delaney and Bonnie, and sometimes Delaney and Bonnie and Friends, a rock soul ensemble. From the late 60s and early 70s, members included Dwayne and Greg Allman. Over the years, these guys played with them. Eric Clapton, George Harrison, Dave Mason, Leon Russell. They actually went on the road, Delaney and Bonnie did, with Eric Clapton with his band Blind Faith for their one and only tour. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on. Eric spent a little more time with them than he did with his own band. Yeah, exactly. Never Ending Song of Love came out in the summer of 1971, hit number 13 here, but number one in New Zealand. It did wow. well in Ireland as well hmm. for some reason. Also, that was covered by Crystal Gale and the Osmond Brothers and the New Seekers. Then the other one, Only You Know and I Know, number 20 in the fall of 71, the cover of the Dave Mason hit, which I like better, from 1970. Um, this one peaked at um, number 20. Dave Mason's version only peaked at number 42. That's odd. But I'll just bet you you hear Dave Mason's version more nowadays. I'm sure you do. And so Only You Know and I Know, also covered by Rita Coolidge, who spent a little time with Delaney and Bonnie and Friends. That was 1971, and it was the B-side of her 1978 hit single, You. So if you have the single, You, which was a pretty big hit for Rita Coolidge seven years later because she was really popular, more popular. Oh, that's right, yeah. Flip it over, you'll find Only You Know and I Know, cover version from Delaney and Bonnie and Friends. Okay. Or Dave Mason.
Top five singles for the week of December 13th, 1976. You'll know all these. Number five was You Don't Have to Be a Star by Marilyn McCoo and her husband, oh Billy goodness. Davis Jr. Yeah, I do remember that one. I think that was another one-hit wonder. They were both in Fifth Dimension. Mm-hmm. Maybe not at the time, but that was a big hit. That would be a number one song. Muskrat Love, Captain and Tennille. That hurts just thinking about it. America had the uh, early version of That's that That's right. One. BG's Love So Right, number three. That was before Saturday Night Fever, a year before. Rubber Band Man by Spinners, number two. Fun and, song. Yeah, and the number one song, Rod Stewart, in the middle of its eight-week run at the top of the charts, Tonight's the Night. Yeah, boy, he had some huge singles back in the 70s. Number one album, Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. That spent, what, like half a year at the top of exactly. the charts? Still remains one of my favorites of all time. Definitely. Download discovery time. I've got one, and Frankie has one. Frank, you start. It's a song called Walk on the Wild Side, which you may have heard the... The Lou Reed number? No, it is not the Lou Reed number, and that's where it gets interesting. Mm -hmm. Done by a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Smith. The first time I heard this song, it was a killer version done by no one other than the Shaw High School Jazz Band about 1972. They were good. And uh, it was at a high school jazz festival. The only problem was I had no idea what the song's name was. Um, I mean, you couldn't Shazam it back then? You couldn't Shazam it. There was really, I, I remember asking the, the Lakewood band leader, you know, like a week later. He didn't know either. But did you text the band leader of Shaw High School? No, or, I did not call text him. up on Twitter? Him. I did not Twitter him. Or find him on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And so started a 40-year process of trying to find it. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew the basic melody and structure. It was a 3-4 jazz waltz. uh, But with no name, it seemed like it would be lost to history. Until a few years ago, when I was watching Turner Classic Movies, and the 1962 movie Walk on the Wild Side came on, and there... It was. It was a completely different arrangement, but there's no doubt the theme music was my lost song. Wow. Armed with the title, I found a 1963 Jimmy Smith arrangement. Jimmy Smith, who was electric organ player extraordinaire. Yeah. Uh, it's got a great bass line, down and dirty saxes, and then trumpets coming in over the top of it. Uh, it sounds something right out of the 60s film noir. Because it is. Yeah. Uh, one crazy coincidence. I knew that one of my favorite songs of all time was the theme to a Broadway musical that never happened. Now, that's Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed. Mm-hmm. Forty years later, I found out that another one of my favorite songs is the theme to the movie version of the same book. Yes, the source material for both these songs is Nelson Algren's Walk on the Wild Side. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. So that's from the movie... That's from the movie, and there was supposed to be a Broadway version, which, yeah. you know, Lou had written the theme music for that. Didn't the movie version, wasn't that an Elmer Bernstein It sure was, absolutely. He's done a lot of movies over the years. Yeah, it was uh, Jane Fonda's first movie, by the way. Really? Yeah. 1962. Two. It's easy to find on YouTube. You can call it up, and you can download it, correct? Absolutely. That's a, that's a cool song. I know how much you like jazz, and it's always fun to find something from the past that you've been thinking about and maybe the song kind of came in and out of your mind or maybe you heard it someplace at a restaurant or something. Exactly. And nowadays, if you hear it uh, at a depart- department store, grocery store, you can if you have your phone with you, which I don't always, <laughs> you can call it up on, on, your Spotify, on your Spotify. You can call it up on your um, SoundHound or 
Shazam, and you sure. can get it if you can hear enough of it. So that's always fun to be able to find something years later. Exactly. For me, it was Walter Wanderley from <laughs> 1966. The, um, the album was Swingin' Sounds for the Jet Set. Nice. And the album cover features something you would imagine right out of Mad Men. Yeah, you know? definitely. And the song was Summer Samba. It oh, was okay. So nice. Da, 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 da. So that was a, a good find for me at one of those bookstores uh, back in like 1999 or something. Sure, exactly. So it was always fun because I knew the song existed, just didn't know how to get it. Yeah, and that was the way I was. I had no idea how to find it. It was really lost to time. At least I knew the name of the song and who did it. And all I had to was find it. You had to start from scratch, exactly. didn't you? My download is The Cure. You know, I, I told you I saw them on the Rock Hall inductions, I think it was 2019, when That's Stevie right. Nicks was inducted. and. It was such a good show, The Cure with Robert Smith. They were so happy to get in, and they performed this song as one of their three or four song set called Boys Don't Cry. And it was a, a standalone sing, a single, Frankie, from June of 1979. So the band was just getting started at that time. Did not chart here. However, it did hit number 19 in Germany and number okay. 22 in the UK. So they were starting to get some, some uh, traction under their feet. Written by band members. Lal Talhurst, Michael Dempsey, and of course, Robert Smith. It's a nice little up-tempo thing. I think you'll like it. It's The Cure and Boys Don't Cry. Had to check that one out. Download Discovery for this week. All right, Frankie, rock releases not a lot over the years of the week of December 13th. You know, we're getting closer to Christmas. In fact, next week, uh, according to my research, only one big album was released. That was All Things Must Pass. In 1971, that was the week of December 20th, so we'll kind of save that for a couple of weeks from now. But I think they took a little Christmas break, you know, in releasing Mm -hmm. albums. Um, But in 1967, on uh, December 15th, The Who and The Who Sell Out came out. Beach Boys' Wild Honey, uh, same year, just a couple days later. Two albums came out in 1971, Badfinger, Straight Up. Okay. Good one. Yeah, definitely. David Bowie, Hunky Dory. And uh, Wraparound Joy came out in uh, this date, 1974. And Genesis, Wind and Weathering, a couple years later. People were starting to get with Genesis at that point, I thought. Exactly. And they certainly know their music now from that album. The Clash, London Calling, that's one of your favorites, isn't it? Absolutely. Came out in December on the 14th, 1979. And New Wave was on its way, wasn't it? Right at the end of the decade, yep. Featured artist this week, Eric Clapton, Frankie, instead of talking about his entire career, which is still going on uh, these days. And what a great guitarist he is. We are going to limit it to his time with the Yardbirds and Cream. And what's the other group? Uh, They had one album and one tour. Uh, Blind Faith, yes. Blind Faith, yeah. And Derek and the Dominoes. And maybe just a little bit of his solo career. But we'll hit on the solo career maybe later on down the road. Gotcha. Eric Clapton, born in Surrey, England. Is that ferry across the Mersey or ferry across the Surrey? No, it's ferry across the Mersey. It's ferry across the uh, Mersey, Mersey. which is in Liverpool, by the way. Liverpool. Born Eric Patrick Clapton, that's my middle name, by the way. Yeah. On uh, March 30th, 1945, Eric Clapton. What'd you think of his music with the band Yardbirds? Uh, fantastic stuff. Roots, I would call it. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you're talking about 63, 64 ish. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, imagine if they were still together. Maybe they added, I don't know, John Paul Jones or John Bonham or something. Maybe even Robert Plant down the road. They would never have had Led Zeppelin. That's right. But 
the Yardbirds, can you imagine if they wanted to have the staying power that Led Zeppelin had? What kind of career they would have fashioned? Exactly. Goodness gracious. The fact that Led Zeppelin was one of their first names was the New Yardbirds. Yeah, kind of born out of that group, mm-hmm. weren't they? Heartful of Soul, For Your Love, Shapes of Things, Over, Under, Sideways, Down, which is what a great title. Yeah, it? and it's a great tune. Uh, boy, you listen to uh, Jeff Beck on that one. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's funny, when you think about groups that could have stayed together and didn't, or did stay together maybe too long, or... Sometimes I think, but not too much, about if an artist had actually listened to somebody who said you'll never make it, like the Beatles with Decca Records, or say Billy Joel listened to that guy, ah, you'll never make it. Imagine how much music we've been robbed of and great stuff by artists we never heard of because they listened to somebody else. Oh, I think about that all the time. You know, what what did we miss out on? Um, And you don't have to go any further than, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, to come up with someone like Michael Stanley, mm-hmm. who to the rest of the world is lost. You know, yeah. we know him here, but he's lost to the rest of the world. Thankfully, we have that music, don't exactly. we? Exactly. So you can really drive yourself crazy um, thinking about that, as I try not to do, especially at night when I can't <laughs> sleep. <laughs> but what I'd like to do is instead think about the groups that didn't listen to the no's and you'll never make it. It's the Billy Joel's and Elton John's of the world. They hooked up sure. with the right people at the right time, and and the music that we've gotten has just enriched our lives, hasn't it? It sure has. Hard rock, progressive rock, heavy metal, even punk rock were the Yardbirds. Now, he started setting a little pattern here, leaving the band maybe a little too soon. He joined John Mayall and the Blues Breakers, but recommended Jimmy Page to join him as his replacement. So, you know, the Yardbirds were in good hands. Absolutely. Just one album recorded with them before moving on to a band named Cream in 1966. They put out, what, three or four albums? Exactly. What would you think of Cream? Fantastic. Again, you know, you talk about Roots. When we interviewed uh, Mark Farner, yeah. um, has that happened? Uh, he liked Fresh Cream the best. He said only Fresh uh, Cream. Yeah, exactly. He said, like, their first album was yeah. fantastic um, and was really Roots to him. Mm-hmm. Ginger Baker, Jack Bruce, imagine if Cream had stayed together. Yeah, I I hate to think about it, but some of these bands were just so loaded with players that they just couldn't get, they just didn't have the, I don't know, what do you want to call yeah, it? The, maybe they didn't mesh. Stain, exactly, the staying power. Yeah. yeah. And maybe some guys like Eric Clapton, you just had a feeling as you went through some of these groups he was itching to get out on his own or maybe just work with uh, somebody here and there and, and move on. Like a lot of groups, especially jazz groups, it seems, like to kind of change up their lineup and Absolutely. Not, be, not be with the same people all the time. Fresh Cream was released in December of 1966, another perfect time, wasn't it? Produced yep. by Robert Stigwood, who would go on to produce <laughs> the Bee Gees and, you know, all those great That's albums. That's right. Then Disraeli uh, Gears came out in uh, November 67, Strange Bruce, Sunshine of Your Love, mm. you know, Tales of Braid Ulysses. Quick, spell Ulysses for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have to look at it five times. You know, that album was produced by a guy named Felix Papalardi, who also co-wrote Strange Brew with Clapton and Gail Collins, who um, he was married to, and she actually wound up killing him in like 1982. Oh, my God. With the gun that he gave her for her birthday. I didn't realize that. I think she wound up uh, spending some time in jail for that one, too. Second degree so, murder yeah. or something. Absolutely. So Felix Papalardi went on to join the group Mountain 
as the bassist and lead singer. Remember Mississippi Queen? Yeah, Leslie West. Yeah. Sure. A little overplayed mm-hmm. these days, but still a good song. Engineered, Disraeli Gears was by Tom Dowd, who went on to work with Clapton on Layla and other assorted songs, and 461 Ocean Boulevard. And Dowd was inducted himself into the Rock Hall posthumously in 2012. You know, Eric Clapton is the only three-time inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I didn't realize that. Okay, so it's what, Eric Clapton solo, and then Yardbirds, maybe, Mm -hmm. and Cream. Cream. Okay, all right. Wheels of Fire came out in June of 1968, again produced by Felix. The double album, their first platinum album, featured studio tracks and some live stuff recorded at the Fillmore West in San Francisco. Great venue. Absolutely. As well as the East venue. Goodbye was released in February 69. That's fitting. Their fourth album had hit number two here. Number one over there in England, released shortly after Cream broke up. Exactly. So Eric Clapton setting the pattern. He wants to move on, and he joined Blind Faith. They were only together for a few months. They put that one album out and had that one tour. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we've done uh, some album covers uh, in, in the past, and that's one of the most notorious album covers of all. Yes, it, it is. it has a prepubescent young 11-year-old ig- naked on the cover. I think we'll have to let people call that up on their own. Exactly. <laughs> Supergroup, Steve Winwood, who's one of my favorites of all time. Ginger Baker, of course. Rich, Rick Gretsch uh, and Eric Clapton. Clapton and Winwood performed uh, together many times over the years. They, they were pretty tight. But Eric liked to hang around with Delaney and Bonnie, who were touring with them. And kind of drifted into another direction, didn't they? Exactly. And so Blind Faith had their fate sealed after one album. And I think that might have been okay with Steve Winwood as well. He had other things to do, didn't he? Yeah, he was uh, he was stretching in different directions, particularly jazz. You mentioned jazz with Eric Clapton. I, yeah. I think of him in, in the blues vein, but, you know, yeah. uh, definitely with Steve Winwood. Well, Stevie got such an early start, 16 years old, when he joined Spencer Davis Band. We kind of right. joke about that, telling your mom and dad, you know, I'm going to go out and join a band. Okay, son, uh, just be home by... I'll <laughs> be home by midnight. <laughs> yeah, be home by midnight. <laughs> Derek and the Dominoes then originally called Eric Clapton and Friends. I do not know that. He became infatuated, though, with Patty Boyd. That's George Harrison's wife. That's right. And have her. A lot of material from the album emerged from his affection for her. Features twin lead guitars of Clapton and Dwayne Allman, who played slide guitar. And uh, recording sessions took place at the famous Criteria Studios in Miami. Yeah, he played with some incredible oh. players. And, of course, Dwayne Allman, right, number one mm. on the list, right? Goodness. And I've talked about this before. The guys I'd like to interview would be Eric Clapton. He'd be right up there. Paul McCartney would be fantastic, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you could get uh, Clapton to really open up about his career, that would be oh, fantastic. Be awesome. yeah. You know, Eric Clapton's uh, back on the road. He did spend some time here in the United States in September, seven or eight dates. Didn't come around Cleveland, but he was in Nashville and Houston and Florida. He'll be back overseas in London in May of next year at the Royal Albert Hall for a couple of dates, spend some time in Europe and Finland and Denmark, and then he's going to Russia for three dates in 2022. So he's still active today. Layla was produced by Derek and the Dominoes and, again, Tom Dowd. It featured that one in Bell Bottom Blues, you know, um, written by Bobby Whitlock, who Mm -hmm. began his career working with Booker T and the MGs and Sam and Dave. Delaney and Bonnie and Friends, you know. So there was a jazz influence there. And both of those songs are, are great. Layla, I love that one. Oh, well, yeah. it's an all-time classic. And, you know, the, the coda 
at the end with the mm. piano is just yeah. beautiful. And they brought that back with uh, the uh, um, unplugged version, mm-hmm. what, 30 That's years right. later or 20 years later? That was an awesome uh, little set of music there, wasn't it? Right. I think that was even uh, that was a bigger hit than the original. I think it was. You know, yeah. yeah. So that's Eric Clapton. We kind of covered uh, rather quickly. We had some other stuff to get to today with Christmas coming. we got to get out and do the rest of our shopping. We're going to run down the rest of our uh, top ten rockin' Christmas tunes next week. We're going to feature the Doobie Brothers as well. And we'll hit this week in rock history and all of our favorite segments as well. Frank, Great. thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We'll see you next week. All right.